three sides of the coin this week. It's all about what we love this week. And that's very little kiss and a whole lot of the Munsters. Because we're joined by Butch Patrick. Eddie Munster. Yes. But we redeem ourselves towards the end. It's quite a bit of elder talk, so stick with it. You'll dig it. This is Three Sides of the Coin. Talking all things KISS. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. Although we will have the fourth side of the coin joining us later on in this interview. But the best looking side for sure. Yeah, the best looking side. The And let me tell you, she brings some jiggles. <laughs> Dealer jiggles at least. Oh boy, there you go. You're going to get a ton of people fucking... She's the one that does it. When they understand the concept of how... I, I, know, I, know, I know. I know. I know. I know. It's, it's insane. I think it's crazy. And anyway, anyway, so as usual, we've got rotating uh, three sides hosts. Tommy and I start. Mark joins. Lisa comes Ooh. in. Lisa leaves. And then we start here with all three of us. And guess what? Mark's router still sucks. He's frozen. Oh, isn't he? He's just, he just not moving. He just, he just, he just looks like he's in hibernation. Um, we we uh, stick to the end. We have a nice little discussion about the elder and Motley Crue's "Too Fast for Love." Uh, but let's just let it roll right off the bat here. There's a little bit of kiss discussion with this week's guest, but we don't give a crap because we've got Butch Patrick otherwise known as Eddie Munster from the Munsters joining us this week. And you got to wait and see Liz's reaction when she walks down and see who Mark is talking to. That's fantastic. <laughs> it was priceless. Oh. So let it roll. Butch Patrick from the Munsters. Want to get your official Three Sides of the Coin logo and Shocker tee? Now you can. We ship worldwide. Get yours online at shop.threesidesofthecoin.com. Three Sides of the Coin world. I don't care what you guys think. Because we are so damn honored to sit down here with, I dare say, uh, an, a childhood idol that, that we all grew up with, Butch Patrick. Thank you so much for sitting down and maybe talking kiss. You know, um, I'm very short. I might be standing up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? Mark just joined. I'm going to bring in one more co-host, and we'll keep rolling here with this because this is how we fly, just by the seat of our pants. That's good for um, me. It's what we do. It's what we do here. We we call it the the no budget production. Yeah, low budget, no budget. Um, there we go, Mark. So, can you can you see your best friend Butch Patrick? I cannot. It's, I just see me. Ah, and you. Look at he's in his lair. He's ah, in his yes, lair. he is. 
Yes, yes. Oh, I cannot, I t I did did plotting, you inform him? Plotting world domination. No, we, 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 we literally just got started here, Mark. So um, feel free to break the ice with Butch. Uh, all right, Butch, here's the situation. Because I, I don't know if you were, obviously you don't, but we met you down in Florida. And my, and my wife and I have this, I mean, we've been married for 30 years. We have this kind of silly, stupid, married joke that if we meet a celebrity from now on when we see them, we're like, hey, that's my friend. So literally at 7.30 every night, I say to her, I said, oh, my friend's on TV because I met you before. <laughs> so, and, she, and, and it drives her up the fucking wall. So what I'm going to do is at some point, I'm going to call her downstairs. Okay. <laughs> she say, doesn't know? What is, <laughs> she doesn't know. Her, I didn't what, know. Is, what is her name? Liz. Liz, okay. Liz, Liz comes downstairs, I'll say, hey, Liz, it's my friend Liz right there. <laughs> um, you're on to it you're on to so 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 butch so we can so we can kind of shut up any of our kiss fan listeners yeah um do you like kiss do you have any interest in kiss why are you on a kiss podcast i'll tell you what i like anything really done well and i like rock and roll and i grew up in the 60s and 70s and i went to a lot of concerts but yes i i was was not a huge over-the-top Kiss fan. I respected what they did. And a friend of mine was a big Kiss fan in Atlanta when I lived in Atlanta. And at his house was like a museum. And after I got to know him and saw what it was all about, I became a fan. But I wasn't a fan from the get-go. I was kind of educated into it. And then I respected what they had done. You know, that for a lot of, quote, outsiders of the Kiss Army, that's how it is. Because if you weren't exposed to it through other fans you don't know what to think of it but once you get to know somebody you really learn what the band is about what the fans more so than anything are about i mean the yeah. army is is an incredibly devoted i mean you i'm sure you've experienced it with the monsters you know well the not only, not only there that forever I not only that, I actually owned a Grateful Dead tour bus that was used from 67 to 85 by the dead. And, and I wow. never saw a Grateful Dead concert, but I bought this bus because I was a big fan of the 60s and I saw potential in it. And then I started getting into the dead after I bought the bus and I respected them in the same way. Did you find anything you interesting noticed? in the seat cushions? Uh, 30,000 hits acid. <laughs> uh, and I told everybody, do not walk barefoot in this bus. <laughs> Contact eye. <laughs> it, it, I can't hear you. I was gonna say I can't see Tommy. Okay, we got him now. Oh, you don't need to see Tommy. He's not. In, <laughs> no. He's not an important part of this show. No. no. Um. So. 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 So oh, we, far, we our, our, oh yeah, we, we we've started. This is we're yeah. recording. So, oh, so our know. listeners, so our listeners, because Butch, we have a lot of very young listeners here. Mm -hmm. Not not just. 40, 50, 60 year olds. Yeah. Um, Butch Patrick, the monsters, and I'm going to throw this one in because a lot of people may not remember this, but it was so big for me. Lidsville. Yeah, Sid and Marty Crop, right in their wheelhouse. Uh, the third series that they did, yeah, with Charles Nelson Riley and Billy Hayes. I mean, it was, that like, it was a big rule. summer of 71. I I I grew up on all that Sid and Marty Croft stuff, whether it was the Bugaloos or H.R. Puffin stuff or Lidsville. Um, what was that like? I mean, as an outsider looking in on that, you're going, 
This is the trippiest, craziest. No, it was the trip, trip, trippiest. Trip, it was trip, 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 trip. <laughs> <laughs> it was the living end. Actually, I'll tell you the story behind that Lidsville thing. It was very weird. Uh, I was going to high school with the Cal Sills in this private school and a bunch of other students in Hollywood. And I went up for the interview. And at this point in my life, my hair's down to here. I look like, I have hair like Robert Plant. I'm surfing every day. And I go up for this kitty show is what I think it is. And I turn them down. I said, no, I don't think I want to cut my hair. No, I don't like it. But the councils told me, are you crazy? It's 11 weeks work in the summer. It's on Saturday mornings. None of your friends will see it because they'll still be sleeping off their hangovers. So take the money and run. So I went back yeah. for the second interview with Sid Croft. And I noticed the picture of Caroline Ellis from the Bugaloos. And I go, will she be around? And they go, she <laughs> drops in once in a while. I go, okay, you got me. Uh, she never did show up. I told her oh. that you're the reason I did Lidsville. I never got a chance to meet you. She she was my, she was my childhood crush as a kid. She was so cute. Oh so cute. God, yes. Hold on, well, hold on. We can't talk about. We have to talk some Pat Priest then. Well, really yeah, we have to introduce Lisa. Well, yeah, yeah, but before before we do that, Butch, let me introduce you to our final co-host, who's muted. Lisa, unmute yourself. Lisa. Wow, a girl. Yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't that set. right? We have a kiss set. <laughs> yes. Tardiness. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So continue on there, Butch. So anyway, yeah, the summer of 71, it was a very interesting time doing Lidsville with Charles Nelson Riley. Again, more makeup. Uh, he he was funny. He complained about it constantly. And I, I kept telling him, I go, Charles, it's 11 weeks. I did it for two years. Come on, put on your big boy pants. <laughs> but it was, it was a great show. And the fun part about it was I worked with a lot of little people in Hollywood who I was friends with because growing up as a child actor, they always hired little people to be your stand in. And over the years you would get to know them all because they didn't use other kids to stand in for other kids for the psychological aspects of, you know, messing with kids' psyches. So I knew all the little people. So for me, it was a great time. It was at Paramount, Stage 8. Uh, I knew a lot of people, and uh, it went by quickly. And I never thought it would become the hit that it did after the fact. So let's be honest here. Was there a lot of drugs involved in Lidsville? <laughs> well, you know, Sid and Marty, they always claimed there wasn't. But, I mean, as far as being on the set, no, they weren't, like, you know, high. But I do believe Sid had some psychedelics in his background, and he came up with some ideas because – the name and the terminology of, you know, Lidsville, yep, they yep. could have called it Fedora Junction or Hatland. And then uh, the Puff and Stuff thing, obviously, the, the you know, Hash and Reef or H&R. So, yeah, I think there was psychedelic overtones to it, but they never copped to it. I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, that was the era, too. So, it, well, you know, a lot of times people when I talk to them about growing up in the 60s, I was born in the 50s, but I really grew up in the 60s and the 70s. And. You know, I did a movie called, with, with Chuck Jones called The Phantom Tollbooth, uh, his only feature film, and we shot it in Frisco, the live parts in 67 and 68 at Haight-Ashbury, you know, in the corner. And back then, unless you were around the psychedelic culture and the counterculture and all that stuff, you know, you just can't imagine what it was like. Hey, Butch, when, when did you – here's something that kind of ties into the KISS thing. Yeah. When exactly did you start noticing, like – toy shows and collectibles yeah. because obviously this was many years after but like did it just kind of creep up on you or were you even aware? because obviously with kiss there's so many collectibles for it, me 
started about 1989, about 79 or 1980, 81 when MTV came on the air, I had stayed out of the business up to that point. And when I did Eddie and the Monsters and we went to MTV and we became the first unsigned act ever to be on and they formed the basement tapes, that brought some attention back to me as, as Eddie Munster. And right at that time in the early 80s, they started these promoters started doing conventions and San Diego Comic-Con got traction and other Comic-Cons followed. And luckily for me, the Munsters being a heavily merchandised show, very similar to the Kiss Army stuff, we <laughs> fell into several categories. I could do pop culture. I could do to toys and collectibles. I could do car shows because we had to do hot rods from George Barris. <laughs> and we could also do classic uh, TV. And, uh, and I actually did tattoo conventions because there were so many Munster tattoos and Universal Monsters. So I fell into about six different categories that allowed me to do a lot of various things. But it all started in the early 80s. Wow. Well, you know, that's actually kind of like the, the KISS timeline, too, because mm -hmm. actually a little bit farther down. But it was really about the mid-80s when I started going, people would like, oh, the KISS dolls are worth something like, really? Or KISS puzzles. I'm like, fuck, those are all in my closet. I didn't yeah. know I was collecting. I just loved KISS. Yeah. So I just, you know, it wasn't called collecting. That's what I, that's kind of what I was getting at with you, Butch, is like, did you, did you keep, the like, put it this way. Did, did you get stuff like from the manufacturer, from Mego or whatever? Would they send you stuff? No, but they sent it to the studio and they had it in the office. And I would go up to the office about once a week up the tower where they had all the new Munster merchandise and I would be able to bring stuff home. But what I did is I gave it away when I got home, like my ears and Herman's headpieces and stuff, because I was never a collector. And I, unfortunately, I even, you know, I ripped my scripts up as I was doing the show. And instead of having another script taken home to save for posterity i just didn't have that that ability to foresee this stuff would ever be worth anything to anybody unlike i'll give you an example bill moomies a dear friend of mine he was very organized and he kept and collected everything and it's really cool because he's got this incredible music guitar collection and pets collection and unfortunately for me i was always never thinking there was much to it and i was a little unorganized but uh, it's two types of folk you know and i just didn't keep stuff yeah, well, you ever see it? I was going to say Go that, that that was that was at a at a time where collectibles and collecting just wasn't something anybody did. Nothing was manufactured to be a collectible. Well, it was very few people. That, there were some people collecting stuff, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was. There was no value to it. It's kind of like when MGM went out of business. They basically said, if anything you want in the back wardrobe department, just back up your car and take it. And that's how people wound up with all the gone with the wind gowns and all the stuff. And literally they had, they didn't have any idea it was valuable or would be valuable to them. It was either the dumpster or the trunk of your car. So did you, is, is there anything you did happen to keep from the monsters or even Lidsville that you look back now and go, man, I'm glad I kept that. I really cherish that. No, I actually had a couple of my suits, uh, one from the movie and one from the show, but, um, Back in the 80s or 90s, it's because it didn't mean anything to me personally, I was uh, approached by a couple auction houses, and we auctioned them off. And they went yeah. through people that appreciated them much more than I did. Sure. But um, what I did wind up with eventually is I bought a Munster coach and a Dragula from another builder, not the original George Barris ones. But um, I'm a gearhead. I always had muscle cars. So for me, I found sort of a cool niche event situation where I go around the country with uh, automotive related stuff. Cool. 
Yeah, you may have seen me at Spooky Empire with the Munster Coach and Dragula on display. I've had it there a few times. Well, that was that was the that was a cool part of the Munsters was was the automobiles that they they had part of the show. Yeah, we were we were uh, interesting stuff. We were very well produced. We were done on film. The makeup was done top notch by the Westmores. Universal was the Monster Studio, so we had. The sets were actually, there were some props from the original Frankenstein movie used in the lab. So they really did a very good, pr the production value was sky high. They didn't, they didn't cut any corners. We had good guest stars, good music, good set decorations and everything. And it, and it showed in the quality of the final product. Yeah. And, I, 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 and including the cars. <laughs> I agree 100%. Again, all kidding aside, I, at 7.30 every night I watch the Monsters. You know, I get home from work. Eat dinner and and I it's it's again the joke is oh you know my friend's coming on you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna watch the monsters I should I should have I should have warned you Butch Mark is gonna go fanboy on you no, okay. I think my husband's gonna go fanboy <laughs> Lisa there you are I, I'm, not, I'm not even joking I'm not even joking <laughs> you know well, it's one, very, before I was into Kiss I, I, the Universal monsters were everything. Well, you know, it's funny when you talk about your friends coming on TV, as I sit at the table, and I meet these people. It's a very unique situation that comes forward. And my book that I did about five years ago was called Monster Memories. And it came from these people sharing stories about, oh, my God, I used to watch this with my grandfather and we would laugh and he loved it so often. And so all these fond memories of this extended family that I never knew that but you were very important to them. And they have a chance to meet you now in person. And uh, it's very heartwarming that you brought – even if I never did anything with you and dropped dead tomorrow, I would feel that I really did something substantial with my life because I was lucky enough to fall into a show and do and do and be part of a, a show that meant so much to so many people. Right. It sure well, – it had huge influence on so much. It was unlike anything else either. That it was, was, uh, was unique. It was – and it's still to this day – it, there was never another show like it. The Adams Family, yeah, but they weren't in makeup, and they weren't a lovable family. They were like dark, edgy humor. And I, I kind of like tell people, I go, the, the, it's easy to differentiate between them. The Munsters were people who looked like monsters, and the Adams Family were monsters who looked like people. <laughs> hey, but, Butch, let, let, me, let me ask you, because, you know, we're so, as, as the fans, we're so used to watching the Munsters in black and white. And right. that's, and, and frankly, it's perfect that it's in black and white. It I makes agree. it so much more uh, realistic. But obviously, you were doing it all in full color. Is that kind? Is it kind of interesting when you sit back and see an episode that's black and white, and you're remembering it in full color? Is it, is it different? Well, it's it was good to do it in color, even though the house was very dark and you know, dreary. That there wasn't a lot of color in the house, but the, the makeup was pretty reasonably vivid, and I think it worked well for us to interact with each other in the full makeup for the reaction we would get personally. And it was also good for the promotion because every photographer on the set would have two cameras. One would be color, one would be black and white, and they would shoot a lot of photos that would wind up in magazines and TV guides and stuff in color. Um, but as far as it uh, working out, I think it, it, it lent itself well. And they always thought about they would be going to color eventually. So they, it was one of those things to where it, were, it just worked better, especially like Yvonne's eyeshadow was green, very dark green. And there was a few highlights on, on Grandpa and Herman that would have uh, that definitely was, were, was required and helped the, uh, the interaction, no doubt. 
Can you? Oh, just just, just an FYI, my 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 wife's coming down to bring me a pot. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, hold on, she'll be. You'll see her. You'll see. Her. Okay. All right. Um, can you talk about when after Liz comes down? Will you talk about Fred Gwynn? Sure. He's fascinating to me, and I would love to know what he was like as a person. And you know, and did you keep in contact with him? It's very funny. The uh, the other day I was at a show, another convention. Robert Wool, Wool. I don't know if you know who he is. Arliss from the sports. You know, he, yeah. He's a, he's an actor. Well, he came up to me. He gave me one of the nicest compliments that Fred could have ever asked for from the other world. He came up to me and he goes, Butch. And I said, oh, hey, how you doing? He goes, I got to ask you a question. I go, what? He goes, were you aware of the greatness that you were working with in Mr. Fred Gwynn at the time? And I said, wow, that's pretty high praise. He goes, no, this, this man, were you aware of it? And I said, Probably not as much as I should have, but he, he took the time to work with me, and we had some great father and son scenes that developed. But what I liked the most about Fred was he was the opposite of Al. And they were friends, and they were actors, and they were – but Al was vaudeville and circus. Fred was Harvard and Broadway. You know, Al was outspoken. Fred was mild-mannered. And together, the talent – they both had a huge amount of talent, and they worked very well together as a comedic team. But Fred was the true renaissance man. He, when he wasn't on screen, he was playing guitar with the makeup man. He was sketching sketches for people. He was, you know, he taught me not to trust the suits. You know, he was always, the, the producers were the enemy. And, yeah. uh, but he was such a talent that he taught me a lot of things that, that to this day, I, 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 I couldn't have done it without him. And they, they saw that, and the writers saw that we had a relationship, and he was tall and childlike, and I was small and adult-like, and they loved the chemistry that we had. That's great. Well, and he, he, I don't know, I've, I've enjoyed some of the other stuff that he did as well. And I don't know, he's just, I've just always been fascinated by that. And he just seemed like he would be a gentle, um, kind. My good friend is here. Hold on, no, no. Hi, Liz. Friend. How are you? Finally get a chance to meet you. Oh, my Every night I'm like, oh my friends, fuck you all. One of the things I want to mention about Fred was, you know, everybody when you when you when you write a script and you see it on paper, you never really know how it's going to turn out. You have an idea and you're wishing for the best, but occasionally an ensemble cast comes together, and that was one of those magical moments with Fred being Herman Munster, he, even though he was a super highly intelligent man and he could do anything, he, t he did that job so well that it kind of, he did it too good. It, it, it kind of it followed him around forever. And Al, well, yeah. and Al did a great grandpa. I mean, come on, a Jewish grandpa with a cigar, I mean, of Dracula. It, it, who would have thought? But when it all came together, it was wonderful. But I'll tell you, the key ingredient that nobody saw coming was Yvonne DiCarlo being able to take over the household and run it like Donna Reed and Goth. Yeah. Well, and that's why I was wondering too, because we've heard, you know, we've read books, we've watched biographies on some of the other sitcoms from the 60s and 70s, and maybe even now as well, where some of the actors that were in some of these different shows like Robert Reed and um, the Brady Bunch were very unhappy at the end of the day that they participated in a series because they felt that it typecast them too much. Did you ever get the feeling for yourself that way or any of the other people that you worked with? Well, I'll tell you, it doesn't really work that way for kids because you grow out of it. So when I was 11 and 12, by the time I was 13 and 14, yes, if I was running around in a, in a velvet 
shorts and carrying Wolf Wolf out to a Disney, you know, interview, that would have been, you know, a typecast situation, bring your Wolf Wolf. But kids, you know, you basically, every year you're pretty much changing. So for me, no, it wasn't a problem, but I can see where an adult is still an adult, you know, and you move from adulthood and you just keep going. Luckily for a kid, they grow up a lot from the time they're 12 to 18. And it wasn't never, it wasn't an issue. And I was very lucky to wind up staying very busy. Um, with I did my three sons for three years as an, a, a reoccurring regular as Ernie's best friend. I did some Disney uh, movies. Um, did a lot of the stuff periods of the day. Adam Twelves, Marcus Welby's Ironsides, and you know, stuff and stuff and stuff. And the monkeys, good pop culture thing there. That's their Christmas awesome. show. And I and the Phantom Tollbooth, which I'm I'm very proud of, is that. So I was very lucky that I got a chance, even though I only worked twelve to fourteen years, maybe fourteen years busy. I got to just do some really good stuff. Well, and maybe some of it was just because of the fact that you guys were all wearing makeup. It doesn't make you as easily identifiable, you know? So, well, when could you want to have... For me, yeah, for me as a kid, yes, I definitely would. But Al, believe it or not, Al looked like Grandpa with or without his makeup. Yeah. And he <laughs> would walk down the street, and he loved it. He enjoyed it, and he ran with it, and he had a restaurant, and he had his comedy clubs, and he took it and played with it. Where Fred really tried to, to get away from it, but when you're six foot six with that voice, believe me, it's hard to get away from me and Herman Munster. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But he did everything I, he did. Good. He, 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 Fred Wynn was a great actor. Mm -hmm. Well, Al Lewis, I didn't understand just how, what, when I would see him on Stern, this is years ago, or listen to him on Stern. Holy shit, that he brought a whole different angle to, you know, I'm just used to seeing him on this family kids show, you know. I forgot yeah. he was on Howard Stern. Oh, he was on Stern a lot. Yeah, I know. Back I know. in the day. Yeah, yeah but, they, but Stern had just gotten back on the air, and Al took the mic and said, fuck the FCC. And Stern's trying to grab the microphone from him like the Zapruder film. <laughs> no! No, Grandpa! So, 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 so Butch, what, what, what sort of stuff are you working on now? What are you doing oh. to keep busy? Well, you know, last year, um, you know, I was touring the country with my cars and doing a lot of, lot of personal appearances with the vehicles, which I enjoyed. But what I decided to do this year, which unfortunately, with, with you know, the year that what never went, never happened for me, is I turned the front part of my trailer into an escape room, a Munster-themed escape room, to allow people to go through and solve some puzzles and interact with the Munsters in a sort of a scaled-down version. Well, now, next year, I've decided that's not going to work because literally the crowds and the, the, the whole chemistry of the world has changed so radically. I'm going to leave the escape room back in South Carolina, and I'm going to buy an RV next year, and I'm going to go around the country with my Munster coach as my tow vehicle to get attention. Then I'm going to drive into these RV, these RV um, campgrounds, and I'm going to interview other people in the RV lifestyle, and I'm going to do a Charles Kuralt. Uh, like where Charles Corot left off uh, 40 years ago, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to interview everybody about what they've done in America, what's their lives all about, what brought them into the RV lifestyle at this point. And it's going to be Americana. It's going to be human interest. It's going to be a little bit of a bucket list for me to go do stuff on the road. And all in all, it's going to be a YouTube channel that I believe is going to be very, very successful because who doesn't like the Munsters? Who won't want to be interviewed by any Munster? And everybody, I think, has an interesting story that I'd like to share with the world. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great idea. Definitely. Now, you're, you're, you're also 
I I heard you just got in, uh, signed up and you're working on Cameo now? Oh, yeah. Cameos are great. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. I used to do these for free all the time. <laughs> but this person came up, Danny, a friend of ours. Uh, Danny I'd Stanton. Done, I'd actually done it before Danny. I separated with the missus and we parted ways and I stopped doing them. And then Danny brought it back up. And I go, yeah, you know, that was fun. Let's do that again. So he's been really instrumental in, in feeding me some some people. But I keep it very affordable. I'm not one of the high dollar guys. You know, um, some of some of the people get out there and it's a little pricey. Mine is a, it's a fifty dollar deal. It's, you know, it is what it is. I always go over the thirty seconds. I I'll, I'll yap for a couple minutes. I have a good time doing it. And uh, I also have Munsters.com, which is my website. I reissued and rebrought it up recently to where now not only am I doing that, I'm going to do a um, a Munsters and Magic next year with David Merlin. He's an illusionist out of Birmingham, Alabama. We pooled our talents to go into theaters, which have been hit really, really hard with this COVID thing. So we're going to go around the country as I'm doing my RV channel, and we're going to go into theaters and help them reopen up. with It's going to be called Munsters and Magic with Dave Merlin. Munsters and Merlin, a spectacular night of magic. And what we're going to do is show the Munster Go Home DVD that recently went to Blu-ray that I did commentary with Rob Zombie. So I'll do the movie and I'll do the setup of the movie and the Q and A, and then we take a break in the lobby, and then he sets up his uh, monsters and magic act, and he does his illusion, and we've integrated two monster uh, tricks into the thing. So it's going to be a cool thing, and we're going to be doing the theaters uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday around the country. But That'll be great. Just a, a quick business type question: Do you have to license the monsters brand to do all of this stuff? Well, I'll tell you how this is working out. It's funny you mentioned that because I have pretty much gone off on my own all, all my life and done what I've done and I've never had any issues with it. But recently, uh, someone brought it to the attention of Universal, which is fine. I had no problem with this because I always eventually thought it would be good to team up with them, but I was waiting for them to approach me. So they have. So now what I plan on doing now is working with Universal directly as a royalty structure which is 10% for them and 90% for me, because I think honestly with them it, it, partnering up with them, it's kind of like a shark tank thing. It was, I would much rather work with universal and give them 10%, but be able to tap into their resources. Sure, to make yeah. My 90%, my bottom line should skyrocket and probably quintuple. Whereas I was happy doing it this way, but now that they're on board and we're going to renegotiate a deal. Yes, I am going to be working directly with NBC universal. Perfect. I'm hoping I'm hoping. So, so before, before we wrap up here, because I know you got it going soon, let's give our KISS fans a little bit more KISS-related stuff. Have, 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 I, have, have, I have another few minutes. I'm okay. okay. I have, have a question. Okay. I have a question. Go, go, Lisa. Go. My husband says, because I told him you're on the show today, and he said that you used to live in Atlanta. I did. And you used to hang out at Magruder's. At, yeah, Charlie Magruder's, Butch Weaver's place. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> He yeah, said we lost, a bunch of people we lost Butch a couple years ago. Yeah, Magruder's was great. That was, in fact, when I lived in Atlanta, I went up there for the Olympics. But I have a lot of friends in the music industry, and you know, uh, uh, it's, uh, Mother's Finest and ARS and Leonard Skinner and all those guys. Uh, Atlanta's a good music town, and they That's all hung out at Charlie. Now. They That's all hung out at Charlie Magruder's. Yeah, I live in Atlanta now. I live in Alpharetta. I used to live out in. I was just in Roswell, but I live out. I lived out in uh, Conyers. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Small world. So, world, so, right? so, 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 Butch, ha, have you met any of the Kiss guys over the years? I have. The first person I met from Kiss was Ace, Ace Freely. Uh, had a real good time chatting with him, talking with him, uh, 
really interesting guy and, and bigger than life. I mean, you know, geez, this is Kiss, you know? And, you know, he's the spaceman. Um, Gene, not so much. I briefly met Gene. Uh, he's kind of uh, kind of hot and cold. I never really got a chance to get to know him really well, but I think that if I did, I, I admire what he does. I've admired his, his position on a lot of things. He's very, uh, you know, he's very pro on a few things that, like I am, and I really enjoyed his show that he did, you know, the Family Jewels type of yeah. thing. That was great. Um, Vinny Vincent had a good time with Vinny. He's a character and a half, and I really had a good time with him, and I haven't met Paul or Peter. It, it, it seems to me Gene would be totally into to talking with you because Gene's all about monsters. Well, I, I just, I don't think I've ever had the chance to be properly introduced. And we, I mean, let's face it, his demon, his demon makeup is damn close to Eddie Munster's widow speak. It sure is. <laughs> you should Maybe sue you him. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's funny, the, uh, in the 60s and the 70s, the music scene was, I, you know, I always was a wannabe musician, but I just absolutely have no talent. Um, I had a career in 71 as a teeny bop singer with Sugarloaf was my backup band and Metro Media Records had let Bobby Sherman go. So I did American Bandstand and I actually headlined over um, Loggins and Messina singing, you know, lip singing. And then in 82, we did it, Whatever Happened to Eddie and I lip synced again, but I wrote the lyrics. So I like to tell people I'm actually the original Munster Manili long before it was cool. <laughs> Well, I think it's got to be really neat, though, for you, too, that you do these different conventions and you meet all these people that were so affected by your work and, and a part of the whole Munsters thing. It's got to feel great. Well, you know, what's funny about it is it's, it's I, I played it. I think I played my hand fairly well. I, I, I try to be forthright, um, not, not to be self-serving, but I'm coming up on 10 years and 10 days, I'll have 10 years of sobriety. So I survived for you. the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. I came out the other side, which is cool because it's a very cool fraternity to be in the sober movie star rock and roll business because a lot of people are. There's a lot of very cool hip people out there that you wouldn't even know were sober or had an issue with it. And what I like now is if you go to somebody and you have a YouTube channel and you want to interview them, Eddie Munster will get an interview that a lot of people wouldn't give because they enjoy the Munsters. And they right. say, oh, yeah, you know, like, yeah, I'm really good friends with Rob and John Five and Alice Cooper. And all. there's a lot of people that I'm friends with, but I'm pretty sure I can approach someone and say, hey, I've got a YouTube channel. Could I give an interview and you can be on my show and I'll be on your show? And it helps a lot to have been Eddie Munster because people really respond well. That makes sense, you know. I mean, there's just so there's so many people just like like us right here who grew up with you. You were part of our life daily growing up as a kid. Well, it's funny. About three or four months ago, there was a big issue going on in the country, and that scene where I my my beard dissolves and Herman gives me the talk about it doesn't matter how tall you are or what you look like or what color your skin is. It's the size of your heart and the strength of your character. Well, that particular little scene, because there was something going on in the news about, might've been the Floyd thing or whatever, but it got like 120 million views one day. And every news, every news agency in the country was contacting me about that particular thing and what was my opinion of it. And I said, well, it, 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 it's, it, it resonates today as, as much as it did back then. And number two, it's one of the reasons the show is still so popular because people, they want family values. They want to look back in the past. And that show is about all about, uh, a, you know, don't judge a book by its cover and it's entertaining. And it still to this day holds up very well because of the production values. Yeah. 
It's true. You know, I've used that Zombo episode of what you said in, in examples before about yeah. how, you know, things aren't always what you see or seem. That, that, that's probably my favorite episode. That's uh, one of my top three. Well, it's funny when I go to the studio, I go, look, mom, isn't anything real around here? His house is all crummy. And the producer goes, Eddie, <laughs> it's television. Nothing's real. <laughs> <laughs> so are you the last, and forgive me, because I, I haven't been up on this as of late. Are you the last surviving member right now of the cast or is Pat Priest still alive? Pat Priest is still with us. She's up in Idaho, and uh, we have Debbie Watson, who was the Maryland and Munster go home, and she's still okay. with us as well. Are you, you guys? Do you, do you ever talk? Yeah, are you ever in contact with them? Absolutely, I talk to Pat at least twice, you know, two or three times a month. Oh, uh, Debbie Watson, not so much. I saw Debbie about ten years ago. Okay. And does Pat do any of these, uh, like conventions? She did, but she's getting up in age. So now if anybody wants her to come off the mountain, which she will, but we have to, you know, it's got to be a little bit more of a limo to pick her up. And she travels with a companion and we got to put her in first class. And a lot of times that's more uh, money than some of the promoters can, uh, can, you know, pony up. Right. That makes sense. You know, but that's great that you guys stay in contact. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, it's wonderful. It's, uh, I've been very, I've been very blessed. It's been, it's been a really good ride for me. And I felt that I, I was born in 53. I caught a little bit of the tail end of the fifties that I remember worked all through the sixties into the mid seventies. I, I wouldn't trade my, my childhood for anybody's. And, and all this time while I was doing this, one of the neat things was, being a gearhead, you know, I, I, at 16, I got my Mach 1. I went to the drag strip. I was hanging around funny car drivers, and, and I wanted to be a drag racer. And then my stepdad, when the time I was 9 to 13, was a professional baseball player. So when I wasn't at the studio, I was at the ballpark meeting Major League Baseball players. And, and I didn't really appreciate it probably as much as I should have, but I had a very, very um, lucky childhood. I was just going to say, that's a pretty freaking cool childhood you had. Yeah, yeah it is. I, it, it really is because uh, – the ball players are just big kids anyway, and they're all fans of the show, and they all like to bust Kenny's chops because that's what they do. And I did. I, I really I couldn't imagine a better a better time growing up in the right place with the right people and, and being treated well and, and having a really cool career. Temporary career. I never really wanted to be an actor. It was always going to be temporary. Well, well you know, you, 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 made, you made an impression in, in one role that yeah. will stand the test of time. I know it's, it's a cool thing, you know. Um, I'm very, I'm very happy to have been part of it. I, I enjoy it, and what the best part about it is, is how much joy it's brought to so many people. That's what really makes it, you know, worthwhile. That, 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 that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, you know, to to do something you love and then to have that sort of a, a lasting impact, you know, you don't set out to to do that. It just happens, and it makes you feel good. Yep, it was just got very lucky, and then, like I say, I've 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 figured out a way to do what I enjoy doing: travel the country, meeting people, going to car shows, going to racetracks, uh, doing my dream stuff and my bucket list all all at the same time, and and being friends with an extended family that's all over the country. It's it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. Um, Butch, once once again, if people sure. want to stay in touch with you and follow what you're doing here, where's the best place for them to go? It's hard. You bet, might want to get a pen to write this down. It's Munsters.com. <laughs> and it's spelled like the TV show. Like the TV show. Munsters.com. And everything that I do is listed on Munsters.com. And it will take you to the appropriate channels and addresses. I can only imagine if you just sold that domain name, you could probably retire. 
<laughs> I've owned that for 29 years, and that one they can't do anything about that. I own that; that's mine. It's you know what their what their issue is with me was the imagery of the monsters. Yeah. But once we talk, once we sit down and talk, I'm actually doing them a lot of good because they license out a lot of merch. And as long as I'm on the road and I'm doing things in a proper above board manner and not tarnishing the image, I'm actually helping them uh, sell product. Hey, Mark, what what do you, what do you what do you think about a monsters kiss crossover? Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Ooh. Uncle Gene. I, you know what? I, I could see the Monster Mobile getting all kissed out with a big kiss logo or something on the, on, on the, on the side or on the top. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. You talk, talk to Danny with his bat net. Exactly. Batman <laughs> guy. <laughs> Plug, plug, plug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, big, big shout out to Danny for, for you, making this happen. Thank you so much, Danny. Danny's such a great friend. All right, of the guys. Show. All right, Butch, thank you so much yeah, for joining us. Pure honor for all of us to have you sit down for a half hour here. Um, best of luck in everything. And, and feel free to reach out to us if you've got something to promote. We will we'll spread the word for you. Go, Vikings. There you go. Go, go, Steelers. <laughs> Well, who was that? Steelers. Oh Steelers. All good Vikings, Steelers. Good, good football town. <laughs> Take yeah. care, guys. Th thanks, Butch. Take care. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye, honey. Thanks. Bye. You're welcome. Can you do that again? <sighs> Perfect. Giggle, just for good measure. Nice. All right, I'm, le I'm leaving that in because I'm still recording. Oh, yep. Hey, I'm just, I'm just celebrating my eight no. Well, you know, listen, we have Butch Patrick on and Lisa Jiggles. This is as good as it gets. Doesn't get any better than that. No. Talk about Kiss. Who needs to talk about Kiss? That was Butch Patrick. He's Eddie like Munster. an American icon. Eddie Munster. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Like every, every day after school, when you'd come home and you'd turn on TV, Monsters was one of the shows that was always there in the afternoon. And like, look, Mark, Mark still watches it every night at 7.30. Mark sits down with his best friend. <laughs> A little, see, now maybe he'll watch this show and go, hey, there's my, my friend Mark. Now he's going to probably go, I need to buy that Mark guy a Monster router. Actually, his worked out pretty good today. Yeah, well, he's frozen now. Frozen so. now. <laughs> he's a little fuzzy. He's going to, like, clean it off a little. Um, listen, I don't know what to say. I mean, I was that was just so cool for me. I mean, Eddie Munster and Lidsville. Lidsville. I mean, you know, I grew up on both those shows. I don't think I ever watched Lidsville. <sighs> oh, I did. Bugaloos. I watched um, Sigmund the Sea Monster. H.R. Puffin um, stuff. He was the one with the golden flute, right? Yeah, that was Puff and Stuff with the flute. Puff and Stuff, HR Puff, so yeah. Yep, yeah. No, I mean, it was, you know, and, and all of us, except for Lisa, because she wasn't there at Spooky Empire. Sorry. Uh, we, 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 we went total, you guys remember when we went total fanboy at Spooky Empire at their the VIP party? Who, yes. me? <laughs> all three of us were like oh what a who's that freaking nightmare linda blair is god. oh yeah oh my god oh uh, but I, I i don't know home homework i mean did you watch the monsters and if you didn't 
what the hell planet were you growing up on that you've never watched the monsters? All right, here's here here's the 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 go-to question. Were you a monsters fan or the Adams family? Which one were you? Oh, definitely monsters. Monsters for me. Monsters for me. I mean, I loved I loved that. I loved Adams family, but the the monsters were much more entertaining to me. You know, speaking of music, what was the big what was the big radio hit like a year or two ago that sampled the middle Easter song? The da 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 da. Oh, it was big big hit. And they had the middle they had the middle of the the song was from the monsters theme. The radio. What's that? Who, who listens to music? They played at all the sports. That's how I heard it. It was at Red Wings and Lions games. They, they played that all the time. And I remember asking my son, he goes, oh, that's whatever. It's a pop song. Well, you but get to that, find that out. Part, you that's find out for us. Oh, you know, we want to divert it. That's a homework question. Yeah. Oh, I just said it. What? No, Fall Out Boy. Fall Out Boy? Well, that's what it says here. I searched what song sampled the monster scene, and it said Uma Thurman, a song by American rock band Fallout Boy. That's okay. it. That's it. Maybe that's released digitally on January 12th. The song prominently features sampled theme music from the television series The Munsters. It is really cool. I mean, like, really well done. So if you get a chance, check it out. You'll like it. I mean, seriously, it's really good. It fits because it's funny. I just remember, you know, in the auditorium stuff when that plays, it just sounds so cool because they they and really, really. Because it's funny because the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, "That's the fucking monsters." <laughs> it was like, "That's my best that friend." Hand. That's my best friend. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> um, you know, switching this 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 thing back to uh, back to Kiss. Big anniversary today. The Elder. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I celebrated. I celebrated. I listened to the elder today. Listen to I, I. I honestly listen to the elder a lot more than I ever listened to Kiss Alive. Look at the time. Look at the silence. <laughs> you know what? That's one thing. I don't think the four of us have ever. I mean, I've shared my story ad nauseum. What? What about you three? I mean, and again, did all? Th I think Lisa. Because yeah. you were stuck. Oh, that was all in order for you, too. Which was Meaning, chronologically, you know, you didn't hear Creatures first, you know what I mean? You were a Kiss fan at the time. Right. Because I can tell the younger fans who go back and think it's wonderful, and I can tell the older fans by who are, like, it's still a brick wall to me, because that's what it felt like I hit. You know, again, going from side two of, or excuse me, side four of Kiss Alive 2, Dynasty was a bit of a rough go, again, because, you know, bands like Van Halen and Ozzy and everything, and then Unmasked, eh. and then when The Elder was like, oh my God, this is terrible. And I loved Unmasked. I, it's not that I didn't, it was funny with Unmasked, I, I, I remember liking it, because keep in mind, while it didn't sound like Cheap Trick, you know, I you know a, a song like I don't know. I'm trying to think anything. There's a lot of stuff that's like on the in color era of you could you know has that poppy sheen sort of unmatched 
to choruses. So it wasn't that it was horrible, but again, uh, women and children first <laughs> from Van Halen was a lot more palatable to a 15 year old, which I was in 1980, you know, that, and again, when, when the elder came out the, the following year, you know, put that up against fair warning or, you know, what I have to, because it's like, there's so many different types of music. Um, I guess I never looked at it that way. I never compared it and said, okay, well, this sucked because Van Halen is doing this or Judas Priest is doing that or whatever it is. I just kind of looked at it like, oh, I like these songs, you know, and, and I know that it was much more important to you, uh, the direction of the band, it seemed like, because I know you like the heavier stuff, but I always just looked at it whether the songs were good. Because, like, for me, Dynasty wasn't well, that, that's that's very That's very fair, Tommy, but I guess for me, um, one a little background here. Within the last... I've been cataloging all the bands I've been in, going through cassettes and CDs, and I don't know why, just for archive purposes and and i found some um jam box tapes from 1979 i was 14 in my very first band and we're fumbling our way through um led zeppelin covers doing you know a whole lot of love and living loving made and you know all that kind of stuff and it pokes me back to that time in 1980 i was already playing in a in a rock band and having you know, songs like Whole Lot of Love. And, and even back then, we did Rock and Roll Night in Detroit Rock City. You know what I mean? It's it's like, then it was like, oh, crap. You know, Kiss was kind of... Again, if you... To be 15 and wanting to, you know, listen to loud, aggressive music, which Kiss was um, just a year or two earlier. So that's how come I think the elder was such a wall for me because it it's stopped being what I originally fell in love with. And again, that's the redemption of creatures. It went back to being what I loved and was well, really into it. It wasn't disappointing. I was just saying when it comes to the songs or the records in, in general, you know, Kiss's release of a mask was just one of many releases by all these different artists whom you love so i i always felt like you had a pretty good wide variety of, of music to pick from so i guess i never looked at it like well calm you know i i just this is too poppy or it's too this i either like the songs or i didn't so i think the elder was more of a disappointment to me because i don't i didn't care for half of the songs on the record than it was that it was different you know, because I, I could say think the same thing with a lot of different records where it's like, oh, this is just not, you know, I only like two or three songs off of this record, whatever it might be. So I was judged it more by that than it was the way the songs were actually done. You know, I mean, I get what you're saying because I did feel that way. I'd say like um, Crazy Nights. I, I really like some of those songs, but I hate the production. It's just so freaking awful. Well, you know, so it's I, funny if I when I go back when I go back in time, though, the guy sitting over your right shoulder got a pass. 
You got Alice Why back there. I fucking, I love Flush the Fashion. I love Special Forces. Those are my you know, favorite. I love Zipper. But that's told, funny. Gave Alice a pass. I didn't give Kiss a pass. When I told him that that's I love those my favorite albums, he said, I don't even remember recording those. Right. But you know what? I really like some of that stuff on uh, Flush the Fashion and Zipper Catches Skin and Dada and Special Forces. There was some cool stuff on that. So I'm, I'm curious as to why you gave him a pass and not them. I don't. I don't know why, but I did. It's just something I did. My friends and I did. Matter of fact, I, I was just posting something recently on Facebook because on Record Store Day, that really cool 82 show from Alice came out from Glasgow. I saw that tour. That tour was fucking awesome. Yeah, but he was a mess. Yeah, he was a huge mess. But Lisa, did you see that tour? In 82? Yes. The first show I went to to see Alice was poison or um, trash. Mm. I I kind of yeah. came into Alice late, but then went back a lot. You know, so I, I came in late, and I I loved it so much that I started to go back and and see all the other or listen to all the other albums. Which, again, you know, I dated a guy who's favorite album was Zipper Catch a Skin. So it was Zipper Catch a Skin, Special Forces, Dada, um, those albums. And then I went back and listened to Billion Dollar Babies and uh, Love It to Death and those albums. Um, what was the other one? Um, Goes to Hell. No, not Goes to Hell. What was the one with um, Hard Hearted Alice on it? Oh, uh, um, uh, da, 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 with the uh, with the cardboard cover, muscle, yeah. muscle of love. Muscle of love, thank you. So I started here and went here and then went here. You know, but but you know, like that's what I was saying even about Kiss too, about the Elder and about you know um, the Elder or uh, Crazy Nights or whatever is that you know they gave us all these different like different. I don't, it's not genres, but different types of these musics where, where music where it wasn't always cookie cutter. You know, you all, I mean, you expected a certain level, but then maybe you got thrown a little curveball, which was a little refreshing. You know, it's like the elder. I like the elder. I mean, it, is it, is it a typical kiss album? No, but I could totally listen to it right I'm now. I'm talking about the liking it at the time. There's a big difference between liking it now and when it came out. Were you crazy? About I liked it when it came out. I had it on eight track. I I I liked it. I mean, I at that point in time, I was such a crazy Kiss fan that it was Kiss, and I didn't give a they I, I didn't give a crap what was coming out. It was yeah. Kiss. Yeah, that's now kind of now you know, looking back, I liked it much more than Unmasked. Because to me, the elder sounded more had had more hard rock to it than unmasked to me. Um, but you know, I've got a lot of great memories of the elder. I mean, Tommy, you know, you remember? I think the day it came out, wasn't there a blizzard in Minneapolis? So I rem yes, I remember I remember like two yep, days. I remember going to Musicland in the middle of a blizzard. I'll be damned! I'm getting my new Kiss record. 
um, bought the record and a blank cassette tape because that's what you did at the time because you then taped it immediately. Um, you know, I do have a lot of memories of like, where's the picture of the band? This is crazy. What's going well, on? that here? too. That was an issue. That, you know, it wasn't so much an, it wasn't so much a turnoff for me other than it was a, this is different. This was very different for Kiss. They didn't have their pictures big and front and center. And then as, you know, it started seeing the, the, the costumes in magazine like 16 and Super Teen, it was, again, my God, they cut their hair. My God, what they're made? wearing normal shoes. What, what's going on? The, it wasn't a turnoff. It was just different. And I was just trying, you know, it was the same thing, same reaction I had when they took the makeup off on Lick It Up. It was just staring at it because this was so different from what came before. And the Elder was. But I love the Elder. I mean, yeah, some of it, some of the songs aren't great, but I think it had great potential. I do have a distinct memory of, of recording it. And we took a family vacation like a week or so later to St. Louis to see my cousins for Thanksgiving. And I was playing it for my cousins who were big Rush fans. And they were like, what is this? Right. <laughs> and and th then I started to realize, oh, okay, this might not hold up in the general world. <laughs> I still loved it. But general rock fans were like, what the fuck is this crap? And what made it worse was I distinctly remember the ads on KQ and other radio stations where they picked the worst possible songs to put into that ad. So you had like the Odyssey was one of the songs in the commercial ad. And I'm thinking, God, you guys, you want to sell some records. That's not the song to do it with. You know, the song should be maybe Mr. Blackwell, but definitely uh, the oath and I and, you know, uh, whatever, you know, versus that. So I took a lot of shit at school for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and we've talked about it where basically if you were there as a Kiss fan, you realized at that moment Kiss was dead. I mean, whether I liked the music or not, Kiss was basically dead in the United States at that time. I mean, I was super excited to see the, their couple TV performances that they did, but you could just sense as a Kiss fan, the ship had sailed, it was over, and you know, the future was pretty dark at that point in time. Again, in the U.S., I'm not talking the rest of the world, but in the U.S., you know, they rolled up the sidewalks and pulled the curtains and turned off the lights. It was over. Well, you go back, uh, Kerrang! and uh, Sounds and Europe, Europe gave it its due, or at least yeah. tried to. You know, I remember here in the Said a little write-up and hit parader, and there really wasn't much. It was funny because I have a stack of. I bought one of those uh, press things. I forgot where I got it, but I literally have a stack of from the Kiss offices. Mm -hmm. Their their stack of photocopies right from yep. Kiss's Kiss's offices, and it was funny they used the same article, and you know for, you know literally hundreds of places and I, th I, I remember 
thinking because <clears throat> when I was going through them, I'm like, boy, they, they really missed an opportunity here. They, they should have really let, let the band go out and meet the, the, that because that's what they needed at the time. You know, you, they again, it goes back, like you said, Michael, no picture of the band in there. I mean, the most visual band in the world, and there's not a picture of the band anywhere to be seen. And, you know, and all the press and everything. Although, to be fair, you know, there were a gold needed the Fridays, but they well, couldn't tour. The numbers told them they couldn't tour. And I knew something was up when I happened to be talking to this guy in the Knollwood Mall who worked at the record store there, I think it was a record shop, who was not a KISS fan. Because I was always in there looking for promo stuff. That's what you did. You went to magazine stores and record stores and stuff. And then The Elder comes out, and he I remember him pulling me aside probably a month after it came out, going on and on about this is such a great record. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, that's not good if that guy <laughs> likes it. You know, seriously, because that's he... Great, he hated everything about them and that they stood for, which would be all the things that I loved about them. And then he's telling you how great this record is. I'm thinking, oh. Well, you know, good. Tommy, then if that's the case, Kiss actually succeeded with what they wanted to do with The Elder, which was make the critics love them. Well, yeah, but they also succeeded in, in basically dropping an atomic bomb on their fan base. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, again, you, you, you had... You know, Mark says it all the time. Timeline is everything. You had to be there. It's very yeah. different to sit here and be a fan today and then go back and look at The Elder. You don't have any context, none whatsoever. But if you were there as it happened, as you came out of Destroyer, into Love Gun, into the solo albums, and into Dynasty and Unmasked and Elder, and then even... The, the return on creatures, you knew this was a mess. You knew it was an absolute disaster at that point. Because it didn't, it did nothing to save the band. Because as, as a fan, I felt like the band was over with Unmasked because it was like, what the hell? This is such commercial dance pop. There's nothing about this that's Kiss. And I was like, that's it. They got to be over. And then when The Elder came out, you're like, how the hell do you go even lower than the Un Unmasked album? How do you, is there, I didn't realize there was another bottom below Unmasked. Well, I think part of it for me is, is that even though the songs were poppier, I liked a lot of those songs. <clears throat> and what was interesting is when you play some of those songs on Unmasked, for people that weren't Kiss fans, they actually liked them. But it was not the same thing as the reaction from the guy in that record store. But I always thought, okay, well, so this is a popular record. Well, the next record could be heavier or it could be different again. I didn't contemplate The Elder either. But I remember hearing um, the first track, which is The Elder, thinking, okay, this is really going to be amazing. And then it went from there and just... What? I mentioned myself before. Everybody put their new records on cassette and you played them on your boom box. If you were hanging out in a buddy's basement or if you're playing, you know, basketball in someone's driveway, guys, let's fucking be honest. None of us, none of us played the fucking elder ever at the, in those circumstances. No, it's true. That's my point. 
that's that's my whole point. It's cool to go back. It's even cool to rediscover it. But in 1981, early 82, there was no kids, none. And you're fucking lying that were playing that at their party with their buddies when they were fucking hanging out. But we were playing unmasked. We were playing unmasked. The elder. I'm just saying, nobody played fucking elder in those circumstances. They were playing Ozzy in Van Halen. You know, when ACDC Back in Black was huge at the time. Guys, this, that's what happened. And they had no one to blame but themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they did redeem themselves. Back in the, in the fall of 82, they redeemed themselves. And they've been on the climb ever since. I mean, so, so today I can go back. As I said earlier, I listened to The Elder this morning. I, I loved it. I had no problem with it. I, I like it a lot. I mean, and I will, I will listen. I'll probably listen to the elder once a month. You know, I just get that elder bug and you give it a listen again. Um, so now I can go back and I've got no problem with it. But yeah, at that time, I, I still loved it back then, but I realized it became the album. I can't tell the rest of my friends that I like because it was bad. You know, you were already an outcast for being a Kiss fan. Now you're going to be outcast for being a Kiss fan and liking this album called The Elder? What the hell? Well, and I think what bridged the gap for me between The Elder and Creatures of the Night was Too Fast for Love. Because Van Halen was, was a thing all unto itself. You know, that was just this, something special that was just different than anything else. And I just remember seeing my friend Brandon bringing home the leather records version from LA uh, um, of Motley Crue's first album. We played it for probably three months and all of a sudden, but then they had been signed to Elektra and one day we turn on MTV at his house and there's fricking, um, you know, Livewire. And we're just like, Oh, that's my God. Well, to, 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 today's also the anniversary of too fast for love being released. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and also in my, in my parallel world of, Deep Purple, Come Taste the Band, which was Tommy Boland's uh, first uh, studio, first and only studio record with Deep Purple. And it had the same reaction that Kiss fans had to The Elder, but I think unjustly because that album rocks, you know, throughout. More because Blackmore had left than it was. Yeah, that's that, yeah, correct. And then actually listening to the music because you could take any rock fan now and put come taste the band on. And if they didn't know anything about the guitar situation, they'd go, Hey, that's loud, hard rock music. That's really good. No, they didn't with Tommy. They didn't take this. Crazy. I mean, there's a little, maybe a little bit more of a funky seventies era funk at times, but not overall. I mean, overall, it's still a very hard rocking album. Mm-hmm. So that that's it. That was um, Lisa's got a bail. More of a, a, a perception thing Let, of let's... you know not not. At... Sorry guys, I got a bail. I love you. I love so you too, going. Lisa. Thanks for joining us. Sorry, it was a little late. Um, you know that's what? Okay. I don't have any more things to do on Tuesday, so I can be more. Um, oh, you can join us every week. I can be engaging now. Awesome. They don't want to hear you every week. Come on. Hey, Lisa, real quick, is, is Brian nearby? Yeah, he's right here. Of course he is. You have, I was thinking about you today. I, I just got that upgrade of that Kalamazoo show, Ozzy. 
Do you have that? Do you have it? That's a good one. Come, can you come on this side, please? Okay. That's a good one. Rand, Randy's guitar sound doesn't sound too good, but it's it's killer playing. No, no, no. Do you have the, there's a brand new, it just came out. They did a major upgrade on that, on that board. Oh, I haven't heard anything new on. I, I had it 20 years ago. I think that's, that's when I heard about it. <laughs> I had it on cassette. <laughs> yeah, I should send it to you. Now, what about the uh, Detroit video? And, and the cool part about He's coming. Still can't. Uh, Mark's oh, internet now. still um, sucks. Mark, you steering internet. Oh, it's sucks. horrible. What about that? You know, most of this video. has been. Most of this is. I, I, I can't tell. I, most of this has been frozen again this week. So if I was talking over more than normal, that's why I, I can't see or hear you. So I'm kind of getting in when I can. That's what she said. <laughs> You were waiting for that, weren't you, Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm bailing out. All right, bye, Lisa. Thank but you. One more time. One more time. Ooh. Go Steelers. Steeler jiggle. Woo! All right, bye, guys. That's really boring. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. Um, you know, I, just just to wrap up on 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 the elder talk and Motley Crue talk, think about it now. At today, the elder was released and Too Fast for Love was released same day, and there you've got Motley Crue, a band that was influenced by the greatness of Kiss, and and then you've got Kiss releasing an album which was basically the death end of kiss at that point in time and too fast for love which was the birth of this brand new beast called motley crew i mean in the same day those two things came out you could see the death of a band and the birth of a band yeah it's well it's funny Tommy. i've always thought of Again, I'm sorry because everybody's froze. Everything's black. I can't see or hear anything. So if you can hear me, I, I've always thought that just did not come to uh, too fast for love. To me, was always sides three and four of Desolation Boulevard. It just remind you could just tell Nikki loved the suite, and oh, yeah. that's where I think a lot of the music came from. Tommy totally played like Mick Tucker. It's not even close. I mean, he'll even tell you that that. That whole that first record has so many sweet overtones. It's not the band's sweet overtones on. It's not even funny. I would agree. So, so home homework question. Besides talking about Eddie Munster and the Munsters, Mark getting a new computer. Yeah, I mean, all right. Your that's, homework that's question. This week. Is, I'm going to do it this week. What 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 what's your tech support advice for Mark to get himself a new router? Um, but um, between Too Fast for Love and The Elder, what do you think between those two albums? I mean, it seems pretty obvious. Death and the Birth. What was that? The Death and the Birth. Conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's plenty. There's plenty there for you to homework on. Um, yeah. Leave it. Leave us some answers on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We love reading your comments. We read them all. Um, let's see. Anything else we need to mention real quick? No. Subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Spotify, subscribe, leave in a review and a rating on iTunes. 
that's it. Three sides of the coin. We're out of here till next week until we see how Mark's router is. Later, dudes. So you love the show. Go to itunes.threesidesofthecoin.com and leave your review and rating of Three Sides of the Coin. Thanks.